welcome. We are uh, so pumped and excited that you chose to be here because you could have. You could have been anywhere else this morning, right? You could have been. How many of you like, like you could wake up on a Sunday morning and just stay in your pajamas all day, right? Um, some of y'all are like, pajamas are not from the Lord. So, what, so, so like, we're excited that you're here. Uh, my wife and I started this church a little over four and a half years ago with the heart and intention of creating a place where you could belong before you believe. You could come in no matter who you are or maybe the things that have gone on in your life. There was a place where you could feel welcomed. And so we're excited that you're here. We are in uh, week number four of a message series called Run With It. And the whole purpose of this message series has really been that you and I have clear vision for our life. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, this is what it says. And so the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he who reads it may run with it. And we've talked about this verse. This is the fourth time you've heard it. You're going to hear it for one more week. We read it every week together because God desires for you to have a vision for your life. God desires for there not only to be a vision for your life, but God created you and I to have a vision that we run with. And so we have four things that we say here at Propel Church, and they're not just vision statements for us as a church. They're vision statements for your life, and it goes like this. And we want you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We think if you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference, then you're going to experience a relationship with Jesus that changes your life forever. And so we want to talk about discovering purpose today. If you aren't, haven't been with us for this whole message series, we record every message. It's available on YouTube. You can find all that because we talked about knowing God on week two. We kick off 21 days of prayer, which we just wrapped up yesterday, and then week Two of the series we talked about knowing God. Last week we talked about finding freedom. Today we're talking about discovering purpose. And I got to be honest, when we were thinking about purpose and I was preparing this message, I kind of ran into a little bit of difficulties because purpose is one of those things that we talk about a lot, but there's not a whole lot of tangibles when it comes to purpose. It's one of those hard things for you and I to kind of wrap our head around or grasp because purpose is something that we typically spend our entire lives seeking out and yet rarely find it. And so today, you may be thinking, man, pastor's going to lay it down, and I'm going to leave here knowing my purpose. And that might be true, and it might not. <laughs> so, so if you have a Bible, you can go to Genesis chapter 1. I'll tell you where we're going to be in a second. But I've got a mirror on stage with me today, because I think if you and I want to understand the purpose of something, we really have to begin by looking at the design of it. And so when we look at the design of this mirror, there's... Multiple corners of it, beautifully constructed. It's got this little doohickey on the back that gives you the ability to have legs. There's some brackets on there. So we know that this mirror has some legs, that it was created to stand. The cool thing is, if you take the brackets down, you can fold it in. You can mount it vertically and horizontally. Shameless plug. It's a great mirror. <laughs> but by looking at the design, we really figure out or start to figure out it's created purpose in life. It's got some reflective properties so that I can walk by and go, man. Right. I actually, I love standing mirrors. You know why I love standing mirrors? Because you can see the shoes with the jacket. Come on. It's, that's from the Lord. Don't give me, see, bathrooms, man, they get it wrong. You got these half mirrors. I want to see my shoes, people. Come on. So when you look at the design, you 
really begin to understand why it was created in the first place. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says this. So God created mankind. Turn to somebody and say, that's me. Turn to somebody else and say, that's you. God creates us, mankind, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. We're going to talk about purpose today, but the first thing I want you to write down, because if you and I are going to understand our purpose in life, we first have to know that you are made in the image of God. And it's not just some of us. Mankind, human beings, are created in the image of God. And so it's interesting. I can come here and I can look in a mirror today and, and, and there's some properties or there's some traits that I see that I would go, yeah, you look, you are, are a reflection of the image of God. You're looking like the image of God. And we can joke and we can laugh about all that. But let me just be honest with you. There was a season of my life where when I walked past the mirror, I hated the look of myself. I remember before I gave my life to Jesus, walking past the mirror one day, and I stopped for a second to say, I hate who you've become. Because even though we were made and created in the image of God, sometimes our life doesn't look like that. Like, we don't feel like we're made in the image of God because God is full of love, and yet I've got anger. And God is full of peace, and I don't have any peace. God is beautiful, and when I look at me, I may not feel Beautiful, but I have to have a foundational understanding that I am made in the image of God. Being made in the image of God also gives you and I the ability to celebrate diversity. Because God doesn't just look like me. And he doesn't just look like you. He's a combination of all of us. We're a predominantly white church, right? So, um, however, don't get used to it. Because <laughs> let me just... Mount Pleasant is majority Anglo, but, but we're, we're going to change the game. I feel like God's called us to break down racial barriers. But you know what? You know what drives me crazy? When white people say stuff like, I'm colorblind. You're not. You're not. And diversity is not something that should be overlooked. I don't have to pretend like I don't see the fact that we're different. If I understand that I'm made in the image of God and you're made in the image of God, I can begin to celebrate the image of God that you project to the rest of the world. I'm made in the image of God. But sometimes I don't feel like I line up with the image of God. So what happened? Short story, sin. <laughs> because what sin does is sin distorts the way that we see ourselves in the story of God. And because of sin, I can't see how God originally created me, and I can't see the way I've been designed, and I can't see my purpose because I can't really see God clearly. That's why Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, for we are God's handiwork. Another passage of scripture, or another translation of this text says, we are his masterpiece. That we are created new in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. In other words, if we were made and created in the image of God, and we begin to see ourselves clearly from his vantage point, see ourselves made in his image, we're going to be created new in Christ and be able to accomplish the purpose that God has for us. 
So I'd love to talk about purpose, but if we don't get this image thing right, we're going to miss it. Because if you can't see yourself clearly through the eyes of God, you're never going to be able to accomplish all that he's called you to do. So we're talking about image. Sometimes when we read scripture, um, you ever like sat back and go, this doesn't mean anything for me today. Yeah, so, okay, just me, right? <laughs> cool, 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 cool. So I was reading Colossians uh, the other week, and, and, and I was thinking like, man, I don't know if this is like super applicable for us. But then I started looking at the context of the people that Paul was writing to when he wrote uh, the book of Colossians. And as he's writing the book, he's writing to a group of people. Get this, I know, it doesn't sound like us at all. But, but who thought um, if we just take Jesus and then we add a couple things, then that's perfect for salvation. So like, so, so we're not going to say it because we would never want to dilute what Jesus did for us. But really, salvation through Jesus, is, it's not just Jesus. It's like salvation plus good works. Like that's what saves us. Or salvation plus baptism. Like that's it. Or salvation plus circumcision, right? Like, I mean, that's in there. We would never do that, but these people were doing that. And they, they also had gotten into a few practices where they not only diluted what Jesus did, but they really thought they knew what was best. They started worshiping other things. So Paul writes them this letter, and I love the way Paul writes because uh, he's a very direct person, straight to the point to make sure that you and I understand the full picture of what's going on. He's going to reiterate some things about Jesus. This is what he says. It says this in Colossians. This is actually chapter 2, verse 15, not chapter 3. It's wrong in my notes. It says this, Colossians chapter 2. The sun is the image of the invisible God. So we talked about image a second ago. You and I are made in the image of God. Okay, Paul wants to add on to that to make sure you and I understand the full picture of what's going on. So he's saying the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all. All creation, for in him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or uh, authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So John, John reiterates this when John says, the, the book of John starts with, In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. So John's saying Jesus wasn't a thing just in the New Testament. Jesus has been the thing since the very foundation of the earth. He's not just the cornerstone for salvation. He's the cornerstone of creation. That Jesus is, if you're not familiar with what a cornerstone is, say we're trying to build a house. If you don't have a cornerstone set, the entire thing is going to be built on an unstable foundation. He's the thing that holds it all together. He says, so, so here's what I want you to know. All things have been created through him, being Jesus, and for him. He's before all things, and in him, he holds all things together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. So we first talked about how we were made in the image of God. The second thing for you is this. I was created by God for God. If you and I feel like we were created to just live out our own agenda or to do whatever we wanted with our lives, we're going to miss out on our purpose. Colossians is really clear. 
all of creation. Were you created? Yep. Yeah. Because here's the thing. For some of you, here's where you're struggling. You grew up with somebody who told you you were an accident or you were a mistake. And there may have been accidental pregnancies, but there's never been an accidental person. God doesn't make mistakes. We are created by God and for God. You know, you were made to have a relationship with God. Like if you go back into Genesis, what you're going to find is that the way God created us was to do life with him, to live in communion with him, to have a relationship. Now, sin jacked that all up for us, but God made a way for us to have relationship with him through Jesus. You were made to not just know God, you were made to love God. Scripture teaches us that, that, it, that we love because he first loved us. So maybe if you're having an issue with your capacity to love other people, it's because you haven't actually received the love of God. We were not only made to know God and love God, we were made to glorify God in everything. It's what, what Adam does. Adam, the first, you know, the first thing that Adam does when he's created, God gives him a job. <laughs> you don't have to work because of sin. Work just as hard because of sin. A job was a part of God's creation for your life and mine. Because through our work, we are made to glorify him. You're, not, you're made to know God, to love God, to glorify him. And the last, I think you're made to enjoy God. And David's writing over and over. He says, God, I pray that my delight would be in you. I delight in the Lord. For some of us, to think about delighting in our relationship with God is a foreign concept. Because church is a chore for some people. doesn't have to be if you don't delight in God. You were made and created by God and for God. And what will happen is if you and I begin to understand that our purpose is we were made in the image of God, we were created by God and for God, we're going to really work on the way we see ourselves. There's a passage of scripture Jesus is talking about the law and he says to love your neighbor as yourself. I'm not telling you to just love you. Here's what I'm saying. If you read that passage, look at it clearly. If I'm going to love other people as I love myself, if I don't love me, I can't love people. It's an image issue. So we work on our image, and we know that we are made in the image of God. And I'm going to work on allowing God to transform my identity so that I see me the way he sees me. And after I'm seeing myself the way God sees me, not just, it's not a completed work. Can I, t- there's still, there's sometimes I look in the mirror still today and I'm like, dude, you're off. There's some things God needs to work on in you. But here's where your purpose is found, is to understand that I'm made in the image of God to reflect the image of God to the world. So, so purpose is found when I understand her son. Come here. I didn't have this plan. <laughs> Give it up for her son. All right. So, back up just a little bit. I love the shoes, man. Come on. Whew. Look at that. They look great. All right. So, so look. So here's what happens. I, I'm, I focus on my relationship with God. I'm seeing my image clearly. But as a follower of Jesus, God never intended your walk with him to be private. He intended it to be public. You have a personal relationship with Jesus, not a private relationship with Jesus. So I focus 
on getting the image thing right. And then I turn around to reach the world so that what you see is not a reflection of me, but what you see is a reflection of the image of God on my life. The way we reach people, this is where your purpose is found, is to understand you were made to know God and to help others know him. The last words Jesus says to the disciples is this. In Matthew chapter 28, he says, Jesus came and he told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I gave you and be sure of this. I'm with you to the end of the age. Can I ask you a question? Has the world ended? Then he's still with us. He's with us. My fear is that you and I, sometimes as followers of Jesus, will get so focused on growing in our relationship with him and just being with Jesus that we'll turn this great commission into a great suggestion. Where we won't go out and make disciples and we will never turn what we end up doing. Here's where religious religiosity happens. Here's where you fall into a spirit of religion. The Pharisees got so stuck in trying to grow in their walk with God, they turned their back to the rest of the world. And if you turn your back to the rest of the world, you'll never be able to reach the people God's called you to reach. And you never fulfill your purpose. My purpose is to see the image of God and then reflect it to the world. Making disciples is not as complicated as we make it. You know what what making a disciple is? It's saying, hey, this is how I'm living my life. I'm not telling you how to live yours. I'm just saying, hey, you know what? If you're stuck in a drug addiction, here's what worked for me. I had tried all these things on my own, and, but it was Jesus who set me free from it. Making disciples is, is not as complicated as we make it. It's, it's saying, oh, oh you, don't, you, don't have a, you don't have consistent time that you spend with Jesus? Perfect. But there's a version Bible app. I'll do a five-day reading plan with you. Let's get started. That's discipleship. Because I'm called to reflect the image of God to the world. Can we thank her son? You and I are made in the image of God to reflect the image of God to the rest of the world. I think that we all have the same purpose. Now that purpose fleshes itself out differently. And you may think I'm going to tell you about that today. I'm not. I don't have time for all that. All of us have the same purpose. So in the church, a lot of times, what we, what we do is we talk about calling. We talk, this is, this is my calling. What's, what's, your, what's your calling? To make disciples. We all have the same calling. My fear for the local church and for followers of Jesus is that we'll forsake making disciples on the altar of pursuing whatever we think we're supposed to do with our lives. Can I tell you, I don't think God cares about what job you take next. So, so, so look, we, we make, so, and I'm, I'm not saying don't pray about it. I'm not saying don't seek after the Lord. But, like, if our purpose is to make disciples, what you got to ask yourself with the life decisions that you're about to make is, does it position you to have a better understanding of who you are in Christ and reflect the image of God to the rest of the world? The, the name of Propel Church it didn't come because 
I was, I was sitting at home and, and was, was going, all right, what's the edgiest church name that'll make it in Mount Pleasant? And it, wasn't, it wasn't a poker night with some buddies and somebody brought, you know, one of them Gatorade propel waters and sat it on the table. And I thought, this is from the Lord. I was reading a book in early 2013 by a guy named Brad Lominick who uh, had started this church pastor's conference called Catalyst. He wrote a book called Catalyst Leader, and in the first chapter, I only made it like three pages into this book, but I highly recommend it, okay? <laughs> I'm, tell- I'm telling you, it changed my life. I just sometimes, in that season, I just started a lot of books and didn't finish them. <laughs> Eight Essentials of a Catalyst Leader, I get a couple pages in, and one of the things he t- starts talking about is having a vision for your life. Like something that you could do for the rest of your life. And so I'm kind of praying through it and I'm, I'm jotting some things down. And nothing's really, nothing's really fitting because truthfully, a, a lot of what I was writing down was very occupational. And what I realized is if I build my entire future on an occupation and something happens, then I don't know who I am anymore. So if you want to know why suicide rates went up when the economy tanked, it's because we had a whole lot of people who their image was based on their work, not who God said they were. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm trying to process, and, and, and I just feel like the Lord leads me to this, this point where I write down, propel people towards Jesus. Like, it wasn't super complicated. It, it was just, at the time, I was serving as a youth pastor, and I had just started my first graphic design company, and and I'm, I'm like working, and I'm, I'm trying, and I'm, so I'm trying to find this big vision for my life. And what the Lord just kept bringing me back to is just, just point people to me. And it doesn't matter if I'm a pastor or a graphic designer or a school teacher or a gas station attendee or a fast food employee. I can point people to Jesus in everything I do. That's our purpose. If you're taking notes, write this down. God cares more about my why than my what. I don't think God cares what job you take next. I don't know that God cares where you live. Here's what I know God cares about. Whether or not we're making disciples. Whether or not we're telling people about Jesus. Paul writes it this way in chapter 3, just a, a, a chapter later in verse 17 of Colossians. It says this, and whatever you do, Circle that word, whatever. Whatever. Whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, in word, that's important, because what you have to assess is, would people know Jesus if the only way they met him were through your words? Look, this is hard for business leaders, right? Because sometimes we get saved and still feel like we have to run business like the way the world does it. You don't. You don't. I'm going to teach you that in a few weeks. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. We're, we're going we're gonna to do a three-week money series um, in a few weeks. And, uh, and we're, I'm going to give you principles to how to manage God's increase. I've watched God do some incredible things. The, I, I, have ne- I haven't ever felt released to talk about some of these biblical principles yet. Um, but, but I'll tell you, two years ago, I put them into practice, and I saw a company grow from 200000 in sales to $18 million in two years. So I'm just telling you, you're going to see God's going to do some awesome stuff. Whether in word or in deed, give thanks to God the Father through him. So what are some practicals, right? Because we're talking about purpose. I'm going to be a good pastor for a second, and uh, 
I got, I got an A, B, C, and D, right? Come on. That's a, we'll call this alphabet church. So <clears throat> we're talking about purpose. So, so we've got this clear understanding, right? We are made in the image of God, called to reflect the image of God. Ah, I'm going to hit pause. I'm not going to go there yet. So, so, because <laughs> here's, here's the thing. Sometimes whenever we, we turn to start reflecting the image of God, we start neglecting the image of God on our own life. So the trap of ministry and the trap of making disciples is that we get so fixated on our work that we forget what imago Dei, which is that root word that we find in Genesis, image of God really means. To carry the image of God is not our work. It's receiving our identity based on who he's already declared we are. So I'm not working to prove my image of God to the world. A relationship with God functions first and foremost as I'm spending time with him and then the people who I come in contact with are affected by what I've spent time with. So fo you got to focus. I'm not saying to turn your back to God and, and focus on the world because that's where you, you, you'll find a lot of false teaching there. You got to make sure you keep spending time with God as you reach out to the world. Whatever you do, do it to glorify God. So A is going to be this. Abide in Christ in the good times and bad times. John chapter 10, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he, he comes out. It, John chapter 10 is an incredible passage of scripture all about pruning. And what he says is that I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you're nothing. If you want to see God do some incredible things through your life, you've got to get used to the good times and the bad times. Um, we've been reading through, uh, there's some of us on, on the leadership team here that have been reading through the whole Bible in 30 days. And as we're going through the Old Testament, there's this one place um, that keeps being referred to as sucketh. And <laughs> here's what, I, when I was thinking about this message, I'm so grateful that as I abided in Christ, the Lord delivered me from sucketh. <laughs> like there were seasons of my life that sucketh. <laughs> there were hard seasons. There were difficult seasons. Because as you go to reflect the image of God to the rest of the world, the enemy now really becomes your enemy. If you don't tell people about Jesus, I personally don't think Satan's afraid of you. I don't, I don't think he's concerned about you. But the moment you start telling people about Jesus, and all hell will break loose in your life. And in the good times, we abide in Christ. In the bad times, we abide in Christ. Because apart from him, you've got nothing. Right. And it's remaining connected to the vine that produces fruit. So in the good times, in the bad times, remain in him. B is this. Uh, begin to learn my unique design. So, so I talked about how uh, you and I, I believe, all have the same purpose. I think we all have the same calling. Where it differentiates is that we all have different assignments. Right. Assignments are seasonal. So, so I meet a lot of pastors in ministry who, who uh, have built their entire life and identity on being a pastor. And then something happens, 
No, if I learn my unique design and trust God with whatever assignment he has next, I'm not building a career. I'm spending time with my loving Heavenly Father. You have to learn how God uniquely wired you, designed you, and created you. Because that's where you're going to discover whatever your unique assignment is and how you make disciples to the rest of the world. And so what we have here at Propel Church, and you're going to hear some more information about it later, is we have this course that we've designed that really helps you figure out. It's the starting place. You're going, I want to figure out my purpose. Yeah, I want to begin to reflect the image of God to the world. I just don't know how to do it. It discovers the place where we start. Because it's in Discover where you're going to learn about plugging into the church. You're going to learn about how God uniquely wired and designed you. The reason why you're weird is because God created you that way. And what the world will teach you is that you should spend the rest of your life just getting better at what you stink at. But God places us in a body of Christ. It's what's called his church because your strengths actually accommodate other people's weaknesses. So God didn't create you to spend your life working on your weaknesses. Now, now, there's some character weaknesses you definitely need to work on. But, like, if you, I'm not an organized person. And if you, people on my team just laughed. <laughs> they know. They know. You know, early on in this church, I tried to organize everything. You know what happened? Nothing. <laughs> The other day I was trying to work on a project and, and it was a little admin oriented and, and things like that. And I'd been working on it for four hours. And somebody on our team came into my office and they were like, hey, can I, can I help you with that? It took them seven minutes. <laughs> okay. Why? Because it's how they're designed. Right. And I want to help you discover that. I want to help you learn how God uniquely wired and designed you. Because... As the pastor of this church, God gave me a job description. It comes from Ephesians chapter 4, it's verse 11 and 12, to equip the saints for ministry. And I can tell you how I would do ministry, but you're not built like I'm built. I can tell you how I would make disciples for, to, the, to go out into the world, but your story is not my story. I want to teach you how to use what God placed inside of you. And so we've got a, a two-hour course, a, one Friday a month. And I'm telling you, if you invested two hours of your time and you learned how God designed you, you'd begin to walk in the purpose that he has for your life. Right. And it's going to be the first Friday of the month. You'll, you'll hear more about that later. You need to learn your unique design. C is this, cultivate my character. Cultivate my character. Um, calling is great. Um, calling will get you a platform, but it's character that keeps you there. And sometimes what will happen in our walks is God will want to do a new thing. He'll want to use us in a mighty and powerful way. The problem is that our character can't sustain where God wants to take us. When we're faithful with little, we're entrusted with much. And sometimes the area where we're not faithful in is our own character development. Like we've got faults, we've got flaws, we've got all of these issues. We are still angry. We don't know how to handle conflict. Well, God just wants to deal with those character things. Do you know that the Holy Spirit that lives within you acts just like a check engine light on your car? What I've come to learn um, the hard way is that ignoring the check engine light doesn't remove the problem. 
So, 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 so get, whenever, whenever people say, people, I, I do counseling with people from time to time, and as I'm counseling them, they'll go, you know, I just, I just don't know why I act like that. <laughs> I do. Because it's in your heart. Every time somebody cuts you off in traffic and you feel this anger rise up within you, do you know what that is? It's actually an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to say, hey, there's something there. We should, we should work on that. Every time you get that text message from somebody or you see somebody post on social media and they didn't tag you, but you know they're talking about you and it makes you feel a certain type of way. It's the Holy Spirit going, hey, hey, hey I want to talk about something. I, I, I'm revealing that there's a character thing that, that I want to work on. And if you don't work on it, here's the other thing that Scripture is really clear about. If you don't work on your character, it'll disqualify you from your calling. So you got to cultivate your character. Work on those heart issues. And D is this, devote everything in my life to helping others know God. The biggest blessing that I've seen God do in my life over the last seven years, outside of salvation and my wife, has been that he taught me to live open-handed. And he taught me to just take everything I have. God, if, if, if I've got some time and you want to use it, let's do it. What do you want it to be used for? When, when I started in ministry, I, I didn't start as a staff member of a church. I sat down with my pastor and said, what can I do to help? So I worked a nine to five. I sometimes worked longer than that. The church couldn't afford to pay me, so I, I made sure that I worked uh, enough jobs to where I could cover my own salary. But every free time I had, I was devoting everything in my life to serve the local. Use your time. And some of you go, well, I don't know if I have time. And I'm, no, that's not how time works. We all have the same amount of time. And you make time for what's important. And for some of us, we'd rather sleep than wake up to serve on a Sunday. And I'm just telling you, you're going to miss out on purpose. And I'm just devoting my time. I'm going to devote my talents. What I don't want you to hear in this message of purpose is that you have to live the way I live. Look, there's a lot of you. God hasn't called you to, to stand on a stage and tell people. That's fine. If he ain't called you to do it, don't. Please because you're hard to listen to. <laughs> but he's gifted you with something. He's put something inside of you. There's talents, that, and I don't know what your, your talent is. For some of you, you're gifted musically, and you're just sitting out there every single week, and God's saying, hey, if you, if I, I, I'll help you discover purpose if you just begin to use your gifts. Whatever talents he's given you. There's some things that aren't tied into your, your overall purpose for the world, but God will use them in a season. I, I don't feel called to be a graphic designer, but God gave me that gift. So, so all, the art, all the pretty stuff, and all I, I, I do all of that. Why? It's, I have a talent, and there's a need. But can I just tell you something? As the church grows, my bandwidth to do that gets smaller. And there's some of you in the seats that God's given you that gift. And I'm currently standing in your way of stepping into purpose. What's God gifted you in? Your, 
your time, your talents, and, and your treasure. When I first got saved, I looked at, at tithing a little bit differently. I, I thought, you know, that, that what I was going to do is I, I got 100% and then I give God his 10% and then God gets his 10 and then I get my 90. That's a good deal, right? God gets 10, I get 90. But every dollar is a kingdom dollar. All of my money belongs to him. And if God tells me that more people can meet Jesus and what he wants to do is take one of my paychecks in order for me to do that, then we're going to do it. Because everything in my life has to become devoted to helping other people see the image of God clearly. And if you and I can do that, we'll discover purpose for our lives and begin to make a difference in the world. Let's pray. And Father, we love you so much and we are so grateful for the opportunity to just sit and open your word for a few minutes to talk about your love, your goodness, and your mercy. And Lord, we're asking that as we're here today, I don't know if we've bought into any other kinds of purposes or we've been, we've been trying to figure it out all on our own, but today, Lord, we take on your purpose for us. And God, if there's anybody in here today who can't see the way you created them clearly, it's probably because they haven't began a relationship with you. Because our image, our identity is restored from the moment that we respond to the invitation of Jesus. That's what Ephesians 2.10 says, for we're created new in Christ. And so Lord, if currently we see ourselves as sinner, as filthy, as low, we're asking you, God, to give us a new identity today because we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. If you're in here today, you don't currently have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've walked away from the faith and, and you want to get back today. It's not a 10-step program. It's not even a two-step program. Scripture just says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and died in your place, you will receive salvation. If that's you today and you want to make that decision, would you just lift your hand for a moment and say, hey, that's, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ. I see those. Here's what we're going to do, church. Nobody prays alone. We all pray together. Say this with me. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.